appreciate that. And uh, praise the Lord again for a risen Savior. Got a couple places I want to turn uh, to uh, in your Bibles, and I hope that you have them with you. And uh, the first place I want you to turn to is the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and when you find Acts chapter 1, just kind of hold your place there. Um, uh, if you got a bookmark, throw that in there, a bulletin or something. So Acts chapter 1. And then after you find Acts chapter 1, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And that's where we're going to begin our scripture reading, and then we'll end in Acts chapter 1. So Acts chapter 1, mark your place. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when everybody's found all that, uh, when you found that yourself, go ahead and stand up. And uh, when everybody's standing, we'll start reading as we stand in reverence to the Word of God, if you're physically able. All right, and uh, so we're, again, we're Acts chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to begin reading uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to preach to you this morning about the resurrection, the rapture, and return of Christ. And we see there are three R's, and uh, I believe... There's no better way to express the joy of the resurrection uh, than to think about all the things that are connected to that. And certainly there's more than this even, but mainly the rapture, uh, certainly the return of Christ as we tie some things together this morning and excited about this message. Uh, But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning with verse 3, beginning with verse 3, we looked at this in our Sunday school lesson this morning. But uh, Paul says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Amen. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, again according to the Scriptures. And then I want you to look at verses 12 there in 1 Corinthians 15. Look there at verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that, he is n- that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ, then is Christ not risen. It goes on to say in verse 14, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. So that's why we put a strong emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? In verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 10. We're almost done, just a couple of verses more to read. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, now what we have here uh, is uh, what were, uh, is known as the ascension of Christ. In other words, he's already uh, come back from the grave. Uh, he spent some time here on earth. And now he's going back to the Father. And verse 10 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he, that is Jesus, went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. We know those to be angels. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, look at it now, is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't that exciting? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this day. And uh, Father, our hearts uh, hopefully are filled with joy this morning, uh, realizing that we do certainly have a risen Savior, a true Savior, not a false God, not some belief system, Lord, that's based on works and, and a bunch of rules and stuff, but it's simply based on the grace of God. And that, Father, through simple faith and trust, we can believe in this risen Savior who fulfilled the law 
completely. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And as we prayed earlier, Lord, I pray that you'll just speak to hearts in a mighty and powerful way. And, Father, we'll give you the praise, glory, the honor for it all. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I think I made mention this morning in our Sunday school uh, lesson, you know, we'd ask the question, what might we call the greatest day so far in human history? Uh, and I think... Uh, uh, it's certainly not anything that man has done or discovered. Amen. I mean, you know, man's discovered some neat things. You know, going to the moon, that was pretty big, right? Uh, but uh, the greatest day to date so far in our history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing else even comes close uh, to that. Uh, not, not even close. Um, it was asked in Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 5, uh, angel, uh, after the resurrection, he says, Why seek ye the living among the dead? And as we read in Matthew 28, just this morning, the angel told the ladies there, speaking of Christ, he is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. In other words, where he was laying. And it was on a Sunday morning, perhaps much like the Sunday morning that we're experiencing right now, uh, that the stone had been rolled away, and a once occupied tomb uh, was now found unoccupied, and the, the Lord had risen from the grave. And we also know from the scriptures that, that Jesus, after his death on the cross, after his burial there in that borrowed tomb, uh, after he rose from the grave, as we just read there in the book of Acts, uh, that he was taken up uh, into heaven. And now the greatest day in humanity is still yet to come. It hasn't happened yet, uh, but the greatest day in humanity uh, is, listen, is when Jesus uh, is coming again. Amen? And so we thank the Lord for that. And Jesus even tells us in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. You know, uh, even a poor man's got a place to go. Amen? I prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so certainly the resurrection, the burial, the resurrection, uh, and certainly the return of Christ all connected together. And so this Easter morning, uh, it may be a little different uh, uh, Easter message maybe than what we might be used to. Uh, but I want us to consider, you know, the resurrection, the rapture, the return of Christ. We might just call those the three R's, um, not teaching specifically on these types of things but how they should find us today. Uh, Brother Mulford and I was talking about the interesting aspects of all the timing and the chronology of, of the, even the, the trial and, uh, and the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, his death, crucifixion, uh, his being raised from the grave and the timing of all that. Was it a Thursday? Was it a Wednesday? Was it a Friday? All those types of things. And we all have our certain, uh, uh, opinions on that, and I think it's good to talk about that, but I think sometimes we can lose the real meaning of what this is all about, getting bogged down in that, amen? And uh, so that's the approach that I want to take uh, today, not teaching specifically on these things, but but really how they should find us today. In other words, we're going to just look at a few things. We're not trying to prove anything today, uh, but in light of this truth, how it ought to leave us when we think about the resurrection, because the resurrection happened, Amen. And we know that the rapture is going to happen, amen? And we know that the return of Christ is going to happen. And I'm just here to tell you that ought to leave every one of us here this morning, whether you're saved or lost, that truth ought to leave you uh, thinking about some things. So let's talk about this for just a little bit. The return of Christ is coming any day now. You believe that? 
I believe that's what the Bible says. I, I believe what the Bible says because I believe it's what God says. Yet a lot of people aren't living uh, in the light of this truth, and, and certainly the lost, uh, the world, that is, they, they don't have any inter- interest in, in, you know, such a thing as the return of a conquering king. They sure don't have any interest in, in a judge that's going to be coming back and, uh, even the, what I would call the religious bunch, and I kind of use that loosely. They, a lot of people, they don't seem to understand the Lord is coming back either. In other words, those that claim to know God, those that even use the name Jesus, uh, certainly you have to wonder if they're living in light of Christ's return at any moment. Uh, you know, at least they might think He's coming back, but I have to question if they realize that He's coming back in the capacity uh, that is revealed in Scripture. And I think if uh, once we understand that, it certainly changes your life. And, you know, there's a lot of Protestants out there that don't seem too worried about it. And, and of course, a lot of that has to do with their works-based salvation, their false teachings on things like predestination and those types of things, and evangelical, charismatics, and uh, which I don't consider myself even those. They certainly don't seem too worried about it. Uh, it really seems to me that their goal is trying to make the world a better place uh, for people to die and go to hell from. Amen? Nowhere in Scripture does it say the Christian is to make a world a better place. <laughs> hey, the world's sinking. It's a sinking ship. And we're called to get everybody off that we can. And certainly trying to be culturally relevant and becoming like the world to win the world is not scriptural. Amen. But even with that, I kind of expect that from, from those, I suppose. But even sadder still is I think that there are those that are truly saved. In other words, they're truly washed in the blood of Christ. They are forgiven from the penalty of sin. They are, legally speaking, they are justified before God. But yet they too are not living as Christ could return at every moment or at any moment. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this as much as anybody at any particular time. I, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I say this from time to time. I, I robbed it from my good friend who's in heaven now, Ted Houston. He used to say, uh, by the way, which I felt like Ted Houston was one of the greatest Christians I ever knew, but he would often say, I'm the worst Christian that I know. And I understood what he meant by that. Only I know where I'm really at. Amen. And so certainly I know that I have faults and I don't always live and act like Jesus could come back at any moment. But I want to tell you something, Christian. Your normal course of life ought to represent that you're expecting the return of Christ. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And a lot of times uh, saved people aren't living that way. So I might just challenge you this morning, Christian. Are you living as if Christ could return at any moment? And he could. Any moment Christ could return. How faithful are you to the things of God? How faithful are you to to being at church on a regular basis? How faithful are you about your service to church? About your your bearing the fruit that is of souls? And we might even not even talk about service, but maybe, Christian, you're sitting here and there's some bitterness in your heart. There's some unforgiveness in your heart. There's there's some, some anger in your heart. If Jesus was to come back, how would he find you? How about your overall joy this morning? 
And certainly there are things in life that come that rob us of our joy. I don't believe the Bible teaches that a Christian should always be happy and should always be lighthearted about things. Certainly there are things that come into our life that do bring sadness. The Bible says that Jesus wept. That's not what I'm talking about. But let's go back to the normal course of life of the believer. Ought not to be somebody that's cast down all the time. Somebody that's always down in the mouth about that. Always never happy. Listen, that's a Christian that doesn't realize that they have a Savior that loves them. They have a Savior that has overcome anything this world can throw at you. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. The world can't ever take that away. So again, how's your overall joy today? Are we behaving? Are we acting again as if there is no hope of Christ's return? We all not live that way. Christian, rejoice. Fret not. Get on fire. Amen. Jesus is coming back any day now. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I, I, I can't guarantee this, but boy, I sure hope he finds me being faithful. I don't hope, I hope he don't find me in one of my little moods. <laughs> Amen? You ever get in a mood? You know, it ain't just women that get in a mood. Amen? Men get in a mood too, right? Probably more than women if we're really honest about it. Amen? Never get an amen out of a woman like that until you say something bad about a man. Jesus is coming back. And in light of this truth, I think sometimes we ought to examine ourselves. If you're saved, you're ready positionally to meet Him. Amen! But are you ready to commune with Christ today? Amen? Are you, hey, you might be ready to go to heaven because of the shed blood of Christ, shed blood of Christ but are you ready to commune with Christ right now? Hey, we should be, amen, at any given time, at any given time. And then again, lost person, your problem is you need to get saved. You need to believe, you need to repent. Jesus tells us, uh, uh, even though it's in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Now is the accepted time. 2 Corinthians 6, 6, 2, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Only get harder to get saved, amen. So lost person, listen, you need to understand something. Jesus is coming back, and once he comes back, decision time is over. There you will be in the spiritual condition that you're in, whether saved or lost. Get ready to meet him. Accept him as your Savior right now. Amen. Hey, we'll just stop everything right now if somebody wants to get saved. Nobody would have a problem with that, would they? But if not, let's talk about something we don't really like to talk about, and that's death. We can't talk about the resurrection without talking about death. As we get a little older in life, we tend to be around death more and more, right? It's hard to see a loved one leave this life and go into the next. Uh, we just had to bury, uh, I'm sorry, we just had a memorial service for Mrs. Rapp just yesterday. and Good to have her family here with us today. And Certainly our thoughts and our prayers are going out to the Rapp family and Brother Bill and we love you all, and we know this is a very difficult time. I was talking to uh, uh, Miss Kim's daughter. I can't remember her name, but she uh, uh, starts with a T. Tashina, 
and uh, to Sheena's just, she's just a pup, you know, she's just young. And uh, she was saying, you know, this is the first time in our in her life that somebody this close in her family's passed away. It's the first time she's had to go through it. You know, and my heart just bleeds, you know, because, you know, we, we've been there, you know. And as we get older, those th- those things happen more and more. And it's hard to see a, a loved one leave this life and go into the next, even though they are saved. But we always need to look at these things and realize that a lot of us don't understand about death and what it teaches us. And death is an equalizer. Rich people die, poor people die, bad people die, good people die, old people die, young people die. God is no respecter of persons and neither is death. The time of our death is unknown. I wish everybody could live a a good full life and have a great testimony as we learned some things about Miss Rapp even yesterday. But the bottom line that I want you to understand right now, listen to me, everyone that can hear my voice, when it comes to your life, the bottom could fall out at any moment. At any moment. We, we never know when that's going to be. Only God knows. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so I ask again, whether saved or lost, how will you meet God this morning if you were to die today? The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son hath not life, period. There's the gospel. There's salvation. There's the truth. You say, preacher, I, you know, I, I, I don't believe all that. Well, you should. Because death could come to anybody at any time. Uh, uh, but understand, the death of the saved and the death of the unsaved is very different. Um, the big difference is heaven and hell. You never have a more serious conversation than you will about heaven and hell, amen? Because hell is full of souls today that felt the very same way that a lot of people feel today. That's a bunch of nonsense. And I'm here to tell you that right now they'd do anything in the world. They would do anything if they could be where you're sitting here right now with the wonderful and glorious opportunity to be saved. If you're sitting here right now and you're not saved, do not leave this place without accepting Christ as your Savior. Don't play games with God. Don't play games with God. That's a dangerous game to play. Let's move on. Because death doesn't have to be a bad thing. Death doesn't have to be a bad thing. Uh, Brother Russ, Miss Kim's husband, he mentioned this verse yesterday. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Isn't that a tremendous thing to get a hold of? A lost person won't understand that, but a saved person does. You see, for the believer, the return of Christ to come and get his people means all those that have died in Christ will be resurrected from the grave. Amen. We saw that there in... In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, and, and we didn't read all the things there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I encourage you to do so. Not right now, I'm preaching to you, but maybe later on. You can read that. But it talks about when Jesus come out of the grave, he conquered death, and all those in him have conquered death as well. Amen. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to kind of... Skip through some things here because I do want to read some other scriptures later. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, again, no Turner now, I'm preaching, but just take my word for it. You can read it later. You can read all about the resurrection. Amen. We get a detailed uh, picture of what the resurrection is all about. And we understand as we look at other scriptures that Jesus is going to come uh, in the clouds, if you will. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture that's going to take place. 
And all believers considered to be the bride of Christ will, whether dead or alive, are going to be taken up into glory. And I want to ask you again, are you ready? I'm not asking you about some legal thing that you've done. I'm not asking you if you're baptized. I'm not asking you if your name's on a church roll. I'm not asking you if you leave a good life. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Because He's coming back. There's not going to be any of this sad sob story, all the excuses and the buts and the whatas and the cuttas. It's only going to matter if you have the Son. That is the S-O-N. Are you ready? And after that rapture, believers will be taken out of this world. Amen. In the world, those that are left behind are going to be going to plunge into a seven-year judgment from God like no other time in history. There will be famine and war and disease and pestilence, natural disasters, again, like never before. Then Jesus is going to return bodily to the earth. Amen. Woo-hoo. Now here's what I wanted to read. So let's look over to Revelation chapter 19. I'm almost done. Just hang in there. Hang in there. Revelation chapter 19. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is going to return bodily to the earth. you believe that this morning? Amen. Revelation chapter 19. Let's look at verse 11. And I just... I just like reading this. And old John, the revelator, he says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, that would be Christ, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth make or he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, not his, by the way. His blood's already been shed. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, guess who that is? That is all those that are raptured. Amen? See, this proves that everybody's going to be a cowboy someday. Amen? Right there it is. It's in the Bible. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. There you go. Clothed in fine linen. Uh, white and clean. And out of his mouth, that is Christ's mouth, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, that is the enemies of God. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. That's talking about the the uh, millennial reign. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of his wrath, of fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. Listen, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Woo, amen. Boy, I feel sorry for you if that don't excite you. We see there that the enemies of Christ are going to be destroyed. We know too, we won't read all these things, but Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. And there truly will, to a certain extent, be peace on earth. God's people will live in peace and holy righteousness and fairness will rule. Why is that? There's only one reason that's going to happen. It's because Jesus will sit on the throne of David ruling with a rod of iron. There won't be none of this, uh, you know, slick, tricky lawyers, you know, making people, you know, uh, uh, rewarding bad things when, when they, you know, giving good things for bad things and bad things for good things. 
Jesus will say, you know, you might, you might be able to pull that off on other people and change the hearts and minds of young people, but I'm God and you're wrong and I'm right. Amen. That day's coming. And that's going to happen for a thousand years. Some wonderful things you could read in the book of Isaiah. It's going to be good. Even nature's going to be different. Yet it won't be perfect. Because even then, with Christ ruling, sin is really just being suppressed. And again, because Christ is ruling and He's not going to play. But at the end of that thousand years, the devil's going to be loose for just a little while, the Bible says. And believe it or not, there'll be some hard-hearted folks who are going to follow Him, too many to number. But God simply sends down fire from heaven and they are easily consumed. And that old serpent, known as the devil, Satan himself, will be cast into the lake of fire forever. And we praise the Lord for that. But there's also all the unbelievers will be judged in the same manner as well. That's why we need to get out there and tell folks the truth. But then that glorious end of all sin will come. Look at Revelations chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21, verse 1. So we're skipping to the end of that thousand-year millennial reign. Christ has once and for all conquered all that is wrong. The devil is now in hell. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. That's talking about judgment there. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down uh, from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Imagine that. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Look at verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And all of God's people said, Amen. And there shall be no more death. Amen. Neither sorrow, amen, no crying, amen, neither shall there be any more pain. Hallelujah! For the former things are passed away. <laughs> Won't need any wheelchairs in heaven, amen. No oxygen tanks, no crutches, uh, no medicine, amen, no medicine, amen. Heaven's sounding sweeter all the time. And he that sat upon the throne, verse 5, that's Jesus, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. We can believe what God says. So in our final resting place is a place where sin will be no more. And, and, and listen, I, I, I do this. So I'm not getting on to you, but, but, but God has to remind me. Often I, I, I focus on not being around all them sinners anymore. But it's really talking about my sin won't exist either. Whew. Hey, listen to this. Hey, listen. Hey, we, we ought to live clean lives. Amen. I think Christians, we, hey, listen, orange tree puts off oranges, right? Apple tree puts off apples. Christians ought to bear a certain type of fruit, right? Would you agree with that? Okay, we're not talking about living perfectly. Uh, but, but, but again, praise the Lord, I have the Word of God, and if I yield to the Holy Spirit of God, I, I, can, I, can, I don't have to yield to sin with my body. I, I don't have to do that. But a lot of times I can't control this. You know, I might not do the sin, 
But Jesus tells us on the Sermon on the Mount that we still think it, don't we? And God says, guilty. Guilty. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that there's going to come a time in your existence if you're saved this morning. It's not that you're not just going to tangibly not sin anymore, but it won't even be in your heart. Woohoo! That's good stuff, amen. Praise the Lord. That is good. That makes me want to shout. I guess I just did, didn't I? Amen. That's exciting to me. And of course, we can talk about our glorified body being 100% right, but we'll move on. The hour's getting late. So we have some wonderful truths in light of the resurrection, the rapture, and the return of Christ. The day is coming when all these truths we looked at today will take place. Resurrection already has, but are you ready? Not just lost people, but Christian, are you ready? Will you be ashamed at His coming? I believe the Bible reveals that that can happen. Are you a Christian who lives under the sonship of Christ? Uh, you know, with the guarantee, in other words, you, you belong to Christ, you have the guarantees of heaven, yet you're not serving Him much. I'm here to tell you, Christian, you'll lose rewards in heaven because of that. Amen. Some of us are trading temporal things in this world for eternal things. I'm not the best trader in the world. I've shared with you guys, I don't trade good. You know, you're supposed to buy low, sell high. For some reason, I tend to buy high and sell low. It just don't work out. I've been a terrible trader. All my, all my life I've been that way. But even a dummy like me <laughs> realizes that something, this old world, shiny and, you know, prestige and, all the, the, the American dream. I get so tired of hearing American dream. Hey, listen, you're trading things that are temporal for things that are eternal, and that's a bad trade. That's a bad trade. Are we living like Jesus come back any moment? But most of all, believer, you will face something much worse. You know, we understand believers' works will be judged, and those works are going to determine some things, but the unbeliever in the same manner, is also going to be judged. And, and I believe their works will determine a certain level of punishment in a place called hell. That's the truth. Lost person, the day is coming when Christ is going to return. And you can avoid hell by accepting Christ's invitation to come right now. One last place and we'll be done. I know I keep saying we'll be done, but really this time we'll be done. It says in verse 22, I'm sorry, or chapter 22, verse 17. Revelations chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit, that is the Holy Ghost, and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. Now notice what it says, one of my favorite Bible words, And whosoever, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Whosoever will. You know, I love that word because it means no matter who or what you are at this very moment. I want to say that again. No matter who or what you are at this very moment, you can be saved. I might even say this, you must be saved. Because the other option is unfathomable. 
So if you're here this morning and you're not saved, we're going to give you a chance to do so. And I'm going to ask all of us, if we would, if you're physically able to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we get ready for our invitation, our pianist is going to come and she's going to begin to play softly. I just want to say a few more words, open the invitation up again. Most of all, if you're here this morning, you're not saved, you need to come. We'll get somebody uh, quietly. We're not here to embarrass you or anything like that, so don't, don't worry about that. We'll get someone uh, to take the Word of God, the Bible that is, and show you how you can be saved and accept Christ as your Savior.